0: Censorship. Protecting you from reality. Those who control the narratives control society. It was Plato who once said those who tell the stories rule society. And in today's world, those who control the narratives are the ones who control society. In this episode, I'm going to be exploring the latest clampdowns upon free speech, uh, including scientific papers being retracted, presidential candidates getting shut down, bank accounts getting shut down, meetup groups getting shut down, and more. So uh, it's it's a big subject. Now, I want to let you know that I am recording this live this evening, and I am at home alone this evening. My wife is away, and I'm looking after my boy who's asleep. So if this little thing, <laughs> that my boy, <laughs> starts crying, I may have to run off. Now, the context of what I've already just said, I've mentioned my wife and my son. Now, I'm in danger of alluding to a nuclear family here. And I'm not actually sure if that's something that's allowed to be spoken about in public anymore. And this kind of drive towards subversion of reality, but that's a different story. Now, this issue of censorship is becoming an increasingly alarming situation. And it really is a war on free speech. And this idea that Uh, The social media companies, the tech companies and our governments have our own safety in mind that this censorship is to protect you from dangerous thoughts or misinformation or disinformation or malinformation or any other concoction, any other form of uh, wrong think that may emerge on the Internet. Now, of course, the tricky thing with this is that when you look at the types of information that is typically censored it seems that censorship is only cancelled in one particular political direction now i don't want to make this conversation a politically orientated conversation i think the party politics system is flawed and actually when i do look at the uh, nature of the censorship it's not really the political parties that are trying to do this it's not really one fraction of the divide that is is driving this it is something beyond that it's a it's almost a global progressive elite Uh, hybrid mechanism that operates in the shadows now okay I know that's starting to sound like a conspiracy and now you know I've really opened the door to being slandered as a right-wing conspiracy theorist which I'm not by the way I'm politically homeless I don't align anywhere on the left or right spectrum Uh, I voted all of the different parties in my lifetime I have no loyalty the only loyalty I have which is wavering slightly, actually, given the recent performances of my team, Talk United, and having moved to Bournemouth and another coastal team, I'm you know, potentially going to adopt a secondary team. But the only team I'm loyal to is the Yellows down in the, down in the South Coast, and that's not the Yellow Political Party. Anyway, we do see material censored, often that is more conservative in nature or produced by Republicans or Conservative Party leaders, so it does seem that the censorship does flow in one direction, at least in some cases. Maybe I'm not looking in the right places. Do let me know in the comments if, if, you, if you've noticed a particular political slant on the um, on the censorship. Now, from the tech platforms' point of view, if you look at the origins of many of these platforms, they, you know, the darlings of um, Silicon Valley, and it's it's clear that the Silicon Valley, you know, the dominant dominant culture within the Silicon Valley is quite progressive. It is. Uh, blue flag state, if you will, in many ways. And again, I don't want to make this political. I'm just pointing out the facts. Um, And again, you know, it's a massive generalization. You know, these areas do have uh, somewhat of a diverse population, but whether they have uh, politically diverse, I don't know the extent to which that is true. Um, But at one point using Facebook's own tools, you could actually, if, if you're an advertiser, you could, you could get an enormous amount of data on on Facebook's users. I I can see, I know this myself. I've used the advertising platform myself. And what you're able to do is you could actually select um, employees of a specific company and you could actually look at their political leanings based upon the political data that uh, Facebook holds about you. Uh, Now, where does it get this information? It gets it from its own um, algorithms, of course, and the way that it observes your behavior and if you like certain pages, but it also buys in Uh, polling data, anonymized polling data. So um, you could put companies in like YouTube, uh, Facebook, and target these groups, uh, employees of these companies, and you you would then see what percentage of the employees were of a certain political leaning. So that validates the point I've just made. Now, the reason I'm saying this is not to, again, it's not to get political other than to point out that the, you know, the, the, the large portions of the staff that work for these companies do have a certain political leaning, um, uh, and, and as such, you have to question whether the motives of the leadership and the employees would play a role in in the particular type of censorship that these companies uh, deploy. Now, I'm just speculating. I'm asking questions, which I think we need to be all doing. It's the subtitle of this podcast, The panel Podcast, Question Everything. Um, but we do need to understand the nature of this, and, and we do know that from the Twitter files that it wasn't limited to the um, tech platforms themselves that were deploying censorship through their community guidelines to keep you safe. It was also through the central institutions, government institutions in the US, the CISA, which is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, infiltrated uh, many of the tech platforms to tackle misinformation, malinformation and disinformation and any other extension of such uh, wrong thing that we've, we've we've identified earlier on today so we had government departments and we know that the fbi also set up office within twitter and it, the twitter have subsequently released twitter files having musk purchased uh, the company uh, and i'm waiting to see the facebook files because i'm sure they will be equally if not as uh if, if more damning than what we saw the twitter files and if you went to youtube my goodness it almost feels like either they have no integrity whatsoever when it comes to free speech and preserving uh, freedom of expression or the First Amendment in the United States, or they are too also completely infiltrated by uh, government departments and relative, uh, relevant organizations and other agencies. Now, let's just take a walk through some of the things that have recently been censored and and see what you think of this. So, Answer is a major scientific journal. Uh, many of you would have likely heard of it. The Lancet removed a significant paper that was recently published within 24 hours uh, of it being published, which attributed significant related, uh, vaccine related mortality. Now, of course, that is a very much a huge challenge to the narrative, you know, it broke down the number of days on average that people would uh, live beyond uh, having the jab and having these uh, fatalities uh, and other injuries and that lasted less than 24 hours now it's one thing um you know putting a paper and subject subjecting it to scrutiny quite rightly any paper should be subject to scrutiny peer review and you know as, as such you know it's 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 critique should be incorporated in any re you know reevaluation evaluation of the what the paper offered uh, without getting into the technicalities of how science can or should operate but uh, to completely remove something from the system, um, you know, there, there could be some serious flaws in the methodology, but isn't it also strange how it's only ever papers that seem to at least contravene the narratives that get taken down? Now, again, generalization, let's be real. Other papers also get retracted, but there is a there is a significant volume of papers, a, a, an extraordinary volume of papers that have been published that threaten the overall narratives when it comes to COVID and covid uh, the COVID response that have been uh, eliminated from public record. And that to me is extremely worrying. Now, the next thing, uh, if you haven't already heard, is that Robert uh, F. Kelly Jr., uh, his uh, interview with Jordan Peterson was censored. Now, not only was RFK Jr.'s interview censored, people who created clips from that interview and shared them on their own channels also got censored. Some, uh, some high profile YouTubers lost their platforms altogether just for sharing clips from that interview. Now, that interview was titled Rekindling the Spirit of the Classical Democrat. So you couldn't really accuse that of being far right or some sort of tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy. Now, why would a left leaning publication like the YouTubes, (laughs) despite its red logo? You know, that's that's the confusing thing. All the others have blue logos, if you haven't noticed, Um, Although the founders of YouTube sold it to Google very early on. So, yeah, we we, we could have a look at that. Anyway, um, rekindling the spirit of the classic Democrat. You know, again, is classical, uh, is is the classic liberal, the classic Democrat a threat to the progressive global elite? Well, perhaps it really is. (laughs) Perhaps it really is. Perhaps it you know when it when it stands for free speech and, and and various freedoms and fundamental rights that does threaten the narrative because right now that not only the narrative but also the agendas that ultimately seek to censor shut down surveil uh, control and, and the classical liberal would not support that so rfk junior is a big threat to the current emerging order um but who's right is it for YouTube to then censor that that conversation? A presidential candidate. And he's not the only presidential candidate that's been censored. Um, Vivek R- uh, Rameshwamy uh, in May was censored on YouTube for talking about environmental issues and fossil fuels. Um, in Australia recently, uh, John Ruddock, who's the Lib Dem uh, candidate, his maiden speech in Australia was taken down from YouTube. So... Surely, you could argue that YouTube is directly interfering with the electoral process. If you censor political candidates for their views, then surely if you if you were going to do that, then you must do that with even with an even hand, an even fair hand. Now, we know over the last few years there's been this ridiculously paternal approach. It's not paternal, like you could look at it, you could look at it that way. In fact, you know I, I used to look at it that way in terms of, the safetyism aspect of this. You know, as a father, you know, I just pointed out my two-year-old, you know, I, I have to I have to take stock of his own safety for things that he doesn't have awareness of yet. You know, it's not authoritarian <laughs> by any stretch, but I have to get that blend of guidance and being like, that's the oven. <laughs> you can't put your hands in it um, <laughs> when it's on. <laughs> he tried, you know, tonight, but... Brilliantly and intelligent, the intelligence of this young boy. He got the oven gloves. Unbelievable. Anyway, side story. <laughs> the point is, when it comes to um, our relationship with these platforms and with the state, in fact, um, it, the, these relationships have been ter- determined, uh, termed kind of um, paternal in the sense that they are looking out for our safety. Now, the ridiculous thing is, if you take that analogy and imagine, you know, I've only got one child at the minute, but if we have a second. Imagine if I treated them with, with, obviously, I would treat them differently based on their personality, character, temperament, of course, but I would treat them fairly. Now, what we're seeing here in this realm is that we're not seeing a fair approach. We're seeing anything that challenges the incumbent system and the the organizations and the guiding philosophy and worldviews that underpin the system right now and the system it's important to look at it as a system as a machine because the political candidates themselves i don't like the term people describe as puppets you know i think that the 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 politicians do have some autonomy you know let's not reduce it to that level but at the same time the sentiment is clear that we have these public private partnerships as we see in the censorship industrial complex which um Matt Taibbi and, and Michael Schellenberger have, have illustrated and, and they've demonstrated, quite frankly, that there are hundreds of organizations in cahoots. You know, if you look at the definition of conspiracy, <laughs> I think there is a glaring one right here, uh, a conspiracy to control information. It absolutely is a conspiracy to control information. 400 plus organizations from NGOs, nonprofits. Uh, intergovernmental organizations, for-profit organizations, private corporations and governments colluding together to shut down uh, misinformation, hate speech, mal-speech, mal- mal- <laughs> disinformation, all of these other, uh, other forms of uh, speech that ultimately threaten the narrative, which goes back to my opening comments, those who tell the stories, rule society, Plato's world. So those who control the narratives now rule society. So it's, it's, it's a, m- a mode of conserving the status quo um, and when you're shutting down presidential candidates or political candidates from a particular side of the equation, the political equation, then that really is, to me, electoral interference. And, um, you know, we, we can talk about ballot paper interference. But, you know, what we know that in the world of uh, psychological manipulation of uh, big data, um Behavioral science nudging. We know that these tech companies can manipulate people's worldview and actually shift the vote. It's been it's been demonstrated. Um, so the fact that presidential candidates are getting shut down is quite frankly unbelievable. Um, and YouTube are a prime culprit, and they've been a prime culprit for for censorship of other matters as well. And it's 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 got a very narrow groupthink that is permitted speak anything else is deemed as misinformation right-wing conspiracy tin tinfoil hat all of the all of these labels and it's very easy so again when i come to not wanting to politicize this but to signpost whenever you see any publication talking about these types of things and now the sound of freedom movie in the u.s automatically it started to be described as a right-wing QAnon conspiracy theory so when everything is smeared as right-wing you know someone from the right wing and themselves aren't going to use that smear, are they? That would be ridiculous. So the traffic is clearly heading in one direction. There is a a left attack on the right. Now, again, I told you I'm politically homeless. I don't subscribe to the left or the right. I'm relatively central, neutral. I'm left and right on different things. Therefore, I don't exclusively subscribe to individual voices. In fact, I actively, through my sense-making approach, I like to listen to different perspectives. I like to you know, find the edges of the bell curve on both sides, which means I'm looking at the news sources from different political leanings and backgrounds in order to get a wider wider perspective. And I'm not seeing, <laughs> you know, the headlines saying, you know, far left conspiracy theories in and far left material uh, that's that's being shut down. That's not what's happening. So we have to look at this, this political sway within this, and 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 also look at the global influence. You know, and, and I don't like actually reducing it to this distant, shadowy, deep state central group of authorities. But it, it it's it, I understand why people do that because it, it is such a blurred blurred lines between all of these high powered organizations and individuals that ultimately control the media, and uh, as I said, those who tell the stories control the society, rule society. So. um, and they always come with these really nice names. You know, they come with these really friendly, um, you know, countering digital hate online. I mean, who wants to live in a hateful world? But, you know, it's not hateful information. It's hateful people that you want to worry about. Um, you know, it's hateful people that create genuine hate. But when you start to clump in political narratives with hate, okay. You know, if you go to the extremes of the bell curve on a political narrative, you may well find hate. But again, you'll find hateful, broken people, you know, hurt people, hurt people. That's a that's that's well known. But it happens on every spectrum. You know, it doesn't happen just on one side of the bell curve. So we have to look at the underlying trajectory here and we have to call out for what it is. That's really, really important. Um, it's really, really important that we do that. Um and uh, that way, we can actually start to bridge the gap. So we're seeing presidential candidates from both sides of the political spectrum being censored. Um, we're seeing meetup groups being shut down. This is this is a fascinating one. There was a, there was a New York meetup group called COVID Contrarians, <laughs> which was about. Uh, taking a contrarian view on COVID. And it was a, a gathering of minds of people who didn't agree with the um, centralized restrictions and mandates and such. And when you actually go and find the original blurb for the meetup group, it was very sensible. You know, There's nothing wild in there. I can understand, You know, there is some, there is some madness amongst the madness, you know? <laughs> a genuine madness amongst the madness. But this meetup group was closed down. I've seen uh, events that were set, set up on Eventbrite shut down for their views. We've seen bank accounts closed down. Now, again, I'm not going to get into the politics of Nigel Farage. Um, and it seems that you know he may have fallen below the threshold of the bank requirement. He was with Coots Bank, you know, I used to work in the banking sector. I know that Coots would do that. I know that if the if you if you if you don't have sufficient funds for their really high threshold, then they will eventually get rid of you. But then he couldn't get an account at any of the other major banks so you t- now the other major banks don't have the same thresholds so you're telling me that that's not a somewhat politically motivated i don't care about the politics i care about the issue that people are being debanked trigonometry got debanked you know the the, the podcast channel um louise may crefield of save our rights now louise may crefield is openly left wing you know <laughs> like again i don't want to make it political and i want to point out examples on the left and right to show you it's it's happening on both sides of the equation. Um, but there is a, a certain type of political narrative that is propagated and promoted and enabled as acceptable think. And everything that contravenes that is not accepted. Now, we've seen Ofcom clamp down on GB News several times. GB News have recently launched a campaign, their first ever campaign, Don't Kill Cash. Now, there's an investigation by Ofcom because of the way that uh, GB News have conducted this campaign. Now, the specific clause, and I wrote about this on Twitter, the specific clause that's been used by GB News has been violated endless times by mainstream media throughout the pandemic. But again, look at it. This is politically charged, once again, usually in the same direction, um, which the the, the difficult thing about all of this, and I find it very difficult, I I kind of alluded to my only loyalty is to my family and to my football team, (laughs) but in politics people are very loyal to the party now, I, I can i've never been able to understand that because i've always been i've never identified with a particular party i've never had that sense of loyalty maybe i'm missing out on that maybe there's a maybe there's some solidarity and some 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 uh you know tribal belonging that comes from that i've never had that i actually get more belonging from being independent and independently minded than i do being part of a club quite frankly i'm quite a lone wolf really i'm fiercely independent i love spending time with people but honestly i'm quite genuinely fiercely independent and that plays out in my political choices so I've never understood how he could be loyal to a party, particularly when some of those parties in the last few years on both sides of the equation have had some ridiculously poor leadership. Like, And and not only poor leadership, but like woeful track record of acting with integrity. Like, you know, I I, I joke really about my football team and being the only team I'm loyal to. The reality is if they got taken over by some corrupt leaders and they started behaving abhorrently, I would do everything I can to fight for integrity in the club. And if I couldn't, I'm sorry. That's a violation of my my principles. So why doesn't that play out politically? I don't understand. Anyway, despite my attempts to make this not political, I seem to have made it political. So we've seen scientific papers shut down. We've seen presidential candidates and political candidates have their content taken off YouTube. We've seen meetup groups shut down. We've seen bank accounts closed down. We've seen campaigns closed down. Um, uh, What else? Uh, Oh, we've seen the launch of a brand new social platform for Meta, formerly known as Facebook, uh, through the Instagram platform, a platform called Threads. Now, the day this went live, I I, I recorded somewhat between a 20 and 30 minute rant about Threads because I was very, very, angry about about what i was witnessing if you want to see um if you want to see my rant on that you'll find it on facebook i need to upload it to the other channels but here comes threads which is essentially a carbon copy for twitter now twitter of course since the twitter files and musk took over we've seen a a a, a liberalization of information You, you know it's 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 all the shadow bans and all the censorship, all the deplatforming has been reversed and it's an open place of dialogue. Now, I don't find Twitter a particularly wonderful place to spend my time, quite frankly. It's an interesting space for debate <laughs> um, uh, and it's, it's an interesting place for news. But quite honestly, you know, there is genuinely hate on that platform um, it's hateful, but it's hatefulness amongst people, and it's actually a reflection. It's not even hate, actually. That's not even the right term. We've got to be, we've got to be, we've got to be clear on our words. It's disenfranchisement. It's disillusionment. It's frustration. It's anger. You know, it's 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 almost the collective uh, dissatisfaction with the status quo and the incumbent state of affairs. But it sometimes boils over into ad hominem tax, where people are literally attacking other people. And this is where I think in the physical world versus the digital world, we don't have the same evolution. You know, if someone started laying into someone verbally like that in a pub, for instance, or any other social space, quite frankly, someone would intervene. You know, someone would intervene and say, let it go, mate. Come on, back off. Let's go. We've probably all seen those instances in the physical world. Now, when that happens online, <laughs> where are the peacekeepers? You just don't see it. You know, it's just like uh, grinding against each other. Um, so there is the invitation. If you're on Twitter, be a peacekeeper. If That's you. Like, if you're the person in the pub that stops the fight, let's start doing it on social media. Let's, let's evolve our consciousness in the way that we use social platforms. But let's go back to threads. Essentially a carbon copy of Twitter, really. Um, but it, it highly sanitized and manipulated copy of twitter so the algorithms are clearly biased to avoid the type of outcomes and again it's not necessarily a bad thing um, that um you know the the platform isn't wired for conflict which twitter seems to be it seems to be completely wired for conflict and it's like serving up bait (laughs) to the opposing view it's like here we go would you like to snap at this (laughs) would you like to take a bite it's like it's like food for the piranhas on on twitter it's 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 set up that way because it gets well it it gets your attention and it gets your eyeballs and it gets therefore your viewership your your engagement and it enables the company to sell advertising well (laughs) at least it used to but now again it's all been politicized and certain companies who don't agree with free speech and certain companies who Want to align with this global narrative and agenda? Don't seem to want to support Twitter anymore, which again isn't a bad thing. It's a shame, but it's it's not a bad thing. So here we have this highly sanitized Threads platform, which is already shadow banning. It's already eliminating content. And when you download, you download the community guidelines. My goodness, I, I'm going to invite Nick Hudson and Iva Cummings in particular. These two individuals. So I have great, uh, great, a lot of time for. We're going to get a glass of wine. I'm going to say on a Friday night over a glass of wine. We're going to pull up the Instagram, the, the 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 threads community guidelines on COVID, and we're going to go line by line and show how many of these community guidelines have already been disproven. Um, but again, you can't talk against the the, the authorities, the, the the authorities, and and it, lo and behold, we've got this brand new sanitized platform now. I am going to use that platform. I'm really interested to see how it evolves. Plus it's it's currently one of the places where I don't have a ban. (laughs) So anytime there comes a new space where I can actually communicate freely without being banned, uh, without having a ban imposed to me, because right now, if you're watching this, you're lucky that it's popped up on your feed because quite frankly, on Facebook, it's almost impossible to reach anyone. I'm regularly um, shadow banned on all of the platforms. So it's 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 incredibly tricky to get information out there. But I'm, I'm actually going to experiment using threads as a positive space where I share content and conversations that are solution-orientated and then hint at the problem, but also then send people to my other platforms to, to understand more about the problem. My theory around doing this is that there is a big audience on threads and it's a way to get outside of the kind of already aware because if you think about it like if any of you are in business you know the pre pre-problem awareness is like the top of the funnel like if in, in, in a marketing funnel you know you're trying to reach people who aren't aware of the problem yet and you create a certain type of content for that to to catch their attention and and, and help them understand that there is a problem there in order to move them down through the cycle so that they can eventually find a solution to the problem now we're in the same space with threads so i want to kind of create more um you know, rated universal content that that is is capable of reaching a wider audience and then in, in, with a gentle invitation invite them over to my other platforms where they can learn a bit more about the issues so it's going to be somewhat of an experiment i haven't started yet i wrote one tweet that said something like start as you mean to go on and because i'm still in the rage zone of all this uh, <laughs> these problems um i need i need, I need to recenter myself and, and come up with something positive to say so <laughs> give me some time um Now, the last thing I'll say on July the 4th of all days, the Independence Day, there was a there was a court ruling that governments must not demand censorship. And it appears to already be uh, taking effect to some degree in the United States, although we know that it's not it's not just the government doing the work. They have agencies and companies and corporations doing their bidding, NGOs, nonprofits. There's a whole manner as Matt Taibbi is unsurfaced. So even if the government play ball with that legislation, they have so many agencies and, uh, and other organizations that that simply um, do their bidding that it may or may not play uh, have an effect at all on um, reducing censorship. But so far, you know we do know what there are stories of you know, certain government agencies cancelling meetings with tech companies and whatnot. Um, but again, horrifyingly, Um, The New York Times called it a setback in the war against disinformation. The um, CNN chief um, White House correspondent uh, was also critical of the the legal case. So again, you've got the liberal media and it's not the right term liberal. We should stop using the term liberal. It's it's not accurate anymore, particularly in the American sense. It's not accurate. There's nothing liberal about uh, eroding free speech. There's nothing liberal about censorship. But we've got The New York Times and CNN, disturbed by the fact that there's a ruling that prevents governments from interfering in free speech. What journalist, what news media publication wants governments to have more power to censor free speech? It makes no sense. We're living in the upside down. If you've seen Stranger Things, then I'm still waiting. You know, where, where is <laughs> but don't wait for the superhero to show up. But that's the that's that's the problem. Like a lot of people seem to be waiting for some hero to stand up. The, the reality is, we've got to we've got to be the bastions of free speech. We've got to be the ones that, uh, you know, continue to to drive forward. Now, of course, what we've got here, as I've talked about, it, it, a lot of these are technology platforms. Look, we're talking about YouTube. We're talking about Facebook. We're talking about Threads. We're talking about Twitter. We're talking about Meetup.com. We're talking about banks, which are now increasingly uh, digitized. We're talking about scientific papers, which are also digitized. So anything that's digitized, it's easy to flick a switch and turn something on or off. Uh, But the reality is, the global machine has its grip on all of these platforms. And that's unlikely to change unless there is a a counterculture movement that that, that radically turns the tide. And that, to me, is what we need. We need to create a counterculture movement that is Uh, pro-free speech, pro-fundamental freedoms in order to preserve these rights. And uh, here's the the irony. (laughs) You know, people say that uh, people on the left become more conservative over time. Well, it's because we become less radical, quite frankly. And as a result, we start to realize that there are certain things that we may have rallied against previously that we actually want to conserve, like we actually want to preserve. If you think about the term, it's conserve. And free speech, for a lot of my friends on the left, it's one of their fundamental rights and values your free speech and they're they're, they are saying what on earth is going on over here we now need to conserve this (laughs) you know so this is partly why i've never really understood the left right spectrum and nick hudson spoke about this is it's actually a sliding scale between progress and conservation and If you push either of those too far, as in, you know, you remain too conservative and that that you, you want to keep everything as it is, then nothing will ever change. And if you go so far the other way, you want everything to progress or change, then you start to screw with ethics and morals and the fibers and the fabric of society, which is in many ways what's happening right now. But I like that dynamic. But the reality is there's always things we need to conserve. We need to conserve the environment. We need to conserve free speech. And there's also things that we need to progress and change. But it's when things go too far in the extreme of the bell curve, that's when things start to get inverted. And that's basically what's happening to many degrees here. So, you know, I, I think it's the, 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 the dynamic between preservation and conservation and progress and change is a fluid one. And it's context specific. <laughs> um, it, it isn't a blanket approach. Uh, and perhaps that's that distinction for me is why I've always been politically homeless because your my approach depends on the context and 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 the the unique circumstances surrounding something so it means that i could technically be left-wing on something and right-wing on another um but you know i've already mentioned several things in this i've spoken about you know i've mentioned in passing gb news and i've said other things so no doubt i'll be smeared at some point as uh being some right-wing conspiracy theorist, but uh, hopefully you've seen enough of my 500 videos to to know that I am indeed politically homeless. And again, I've talked politics far too much here, but it is playing a role, as I mentioned. So uh, censorship, protecting you from reality, for your safety, those who control the narratives control the world. It's time to fight back. 1994, 84 is upon our doorsteps. Um, The reason I mentioned all of these different tech platforms is is, is the sheer fact that it's entirely within our uh, grip to create new platforms, um, but in many ways, politics is downstream from culture, and culture has been um, shifting and moulding since the 1960s. In fact, since the kind of rise of postmodernism, we're now in this kind of post-truth era, and there's there's ultimately going to be a pendulum swing, and we'll probably eventually go too far the other way, and it, you know, life will continue in these crazy cycles but in order to, to you know you look at the counterculture movement in the 60s like is it now going to be a counterculture movement in the other direction it probably is that that's the crazy thing but either way it's down to the people to stand up for what they know in their hearts to be right and it's down to the people to create the world that they know in their hearts the more beautiful world that in their hearts they know is possible and um it's easy to kind of point at these global structures elites etc central powers and not point back into our own heart and look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what role can I play in becoming a role model for change? How can I embody the qualities that I want to see in the world? I interviewed a wonderful gentleman, David Carter, this morning or this afternoon, whose talk talks about his entire company talks about character development. And uh, his entire message is that uh, our character development is in our own hands, which is entirely true. I, I agree with that. So it's who we become through this and what we create and where we put our attention and focus that really matters. So people can try and shut us down and censor us and suppress us, and they might get away with it, but we can start building. We can start creating alternatives. You know, it's in the world of artificial intelligence. Now, you know, creating apps has never been easier. It's never been as cheap as it is today. You know, the technology platforms of yesterday are starting to show cracks. It's time to start thinking differently. It's time to start getting back into our local communities. It's time to get back into nature. It's time to start getting close to our, uh, our families and our friends and our loved ones on a local basis and actually having open and and honest and radical conversations in order to actually navigate these issues together because uh, it's affecting us all and it's affecting our future. And I mentioned at the beginning that, you know, um, I'm on daddy duty tonight. My little boy's here, little Zaki, uh, I'm flying solo tonight. My wife is in Bristol. I'm down here in Bournemouth, um, but I'm not only doing it for myself and my family. I'm doing it for my young boy and his his generation. And uh, we we really have to raise awareness of these issues. Otherwise, some of these fundamental rights and freedoms that we've enjoyed uh, for for our, over the course of our lifetimes will be will be eroded. So it's it's on us. It's on us to preserve those things. But it's also on us to change some things as well. So. I hope you found this broadcast interesting. Uh, Let me know your thoughts about the state of the world when it comes to censorship. Um, I was hoping to talk a little bit about what I see as some of the solutions to this problem. Um, but I'm already at 36 minutes <laughs> and I planned to run for 20. So um, I'll be back um, to talk more about uh, the solution to this issue. I've got some uh, some key ideas on this, but I've hinted at some parts around how creating new platforms, counterculture movements, um, uh, open dialogue and conversations. Um, and I do think so. I do think there are some things that we can do politically as well to challenge this on on every side of the equation, and that's that 's probably where i 'm most excited in terms of initial plans because it 's something that that can bring us together no matter where we land politically in our day to day lives um, so uh, watch this space on that now, speaking of censorship last weekend, we published our interview of Dr. Pierre Corey following his in fact, I'm not sure I can even say his, his, his book title out loud on this podcast because it's automatically transcribed. And when they hear the, the, uh, the, the, the word Ivor, mectin, hopefully that's a long enough gap, <laughs> then, they, then they'll also censor this and, and shadow ban it. But we released our interview on Sunday and we were only able to publish it on Rumble uh, because we have a channel there we knew instantly if we put it on, on, on YouTube, we'd be taken down and we we're already on one strike on our new channel, having had our last channel taken down and we can't risk losing the channel at this stage. So if you haven't seen my interview with Dr. Pierre Corey, you can see on our rumble channel. And this Sunday, we've got Richard Vobes coming up. So many of you I know, are um, familiar with his work and fans of uh, Richard's content. Well, Richard, I had the chance of spending some time with at, um, at the Better Way Conference, we, we captured a wonderful interview where he talks about uh, personal taking personal responsibility and some of the solutions that we can undertake. And I have some great news. If you haven't already seen, uh, Richard Vobes is going to be appearing at our Camp Out event in August. So uh, Camp Out is taking place between the 10th and the 13th of August in Brazers Park in South Oxfordshire. Richard Vobes will be joining us on Saturday, uh, Friday night rather. Uh, for a special session on Friday evening. So uh, if you're a fan of Richard's work, uh, look out for our interview on Sunday. And uh, if you'd like to see him in person, then please do check out uh, campout.live to find out uh, about tickets for our amazing event. Our lineup is getting announced in a few days' time. We're really excited to reveal the full lineup. It's just an incredibly packed program of amazing talks, debates, music, um, well-being activities we've just got it's 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 starting to be like a dream experience and i'm just looking every single day and i'm seeing these different things going on the stages and i'm like i gotta go talk over that i gotta go host that panel i want to go and watch that i want to go and check that out um so um there's so much going on there for you so if you haven't already checked it out go to campout.live and uh, get yourself a ticket it's going to be an amazing four days a wonderful site in south oxfordshire I'm just so excited about what we're putting together for you. So uh, we're hosting a webinar on on Monday night. Um, Again, if you're on our newsletter, you will see the details for that one. Uh, On Monday night, we're going to be revealing the program. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the event and what to expect and some highlights from last year's event and what we're looking to uh, bring forward this year. So uh, please join our mailing list. Uh, If you haven't done so already, go to danastongregory.com forward slash pandemic. That's danastongregory.com forward slash pandemic. Uh, you'll join the pandemic podcast newsletter and you'll keep up to date of our content. It means that even if we get shut down from every major tech platform, we can at least still send information to you via email. Um, it's the one platform we have sovereignty and self custody over. So please, if you haven't done so already, uh, please do help us by joining our mailing list. It's, it's the only way we know we can definitely reach you. Um, so go to Dan, we got danastinggregory.com. I Gregory.com. Can't even say my own name. It's late uh, forward slash pandemic and uh, join the newsletter and we'll give you the details of the upcoming um, webinar on Monday night with myself and and Pete Lawrence, my co-organiser of of the Camp Out event. And of course, we'll be sending you links to all of our forthcoming content. And we've got some amazing conversations coming up. So watch this space. All right. Thanks so much to, to those of you who tuned in live this evening. Please do share this. You know, it's so sad. You know, at one point, these broadcasts would reach quite literally football stadiums full of people live we'd have two three thousand people watching simultaneously the chat would be buzzing but now all of the tech platforms are just suppressing our content it's a little depressing (laughs) so uh, please do help us break through that by hitting the share button if you even can let me know in the comments if the share button even appears i've had so many reports that you can't even hit the share button this is censorship in real time we're seeing it so if you if you don't believe that censorship is happening just witness it here live on this uh, on this uh episode so thanks again for tuning in please do share this and i'll see you very soon on the pandemic podcast thanks for tuning in